The Give Back Model is a podcast where I'll be having conversations with entrepreneurs who have successfully built charitable giving into the heart of their business models. It's important to note that every entrepreneur will have their own model and they're on their own unique journeys of giving back. I'm Christine Petrella, and throughout this podcast, I'll talk with entrepreneurs who have figured out the right way to team up with charitable organizations and some entrepreneurs who have that heart and are ready to give back and they're at the start of their journey. I'll also sprinkle in some quick talk with business owners whose give back comes in ways of hosting special events, employee-driven volunteer work, or special business incentives with a large charitable donation at the end. Chris Dennis is the founder and owner of GivePet, a premium dog treat company. Chris graduated from the University of Kansas with a bachelor's degree in communications. Chris started his career in the pet industry in 2000 and left that larger pet industry to start his own company, GivePet, that was launched May 5th of 2016. GivePet is a super premium dog treat company with the main focus of giving back treats in every community that his treats are purchased. Chris focuses on growing distribution and retail accounts along with daily operations of business. So today I have Chris Dennis here with me and Chris is the owner of GivePet. Now, GivePet is a premium dog treat company based in Overland Park, Kansas. Founded in 2016, GivePet gives back to local rescues and shelters with every purchase. For every bag purchased, GivePet provides enough treats for at least 10 shelter dogs. So Chris, I'm very happy to have you today to talk a little bit more about your give back. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks, Christine. I'm excited to be here. I love what you're doing. And uh, yeah, I'd love to tell everybody about our company as well. Awesome. So how did this all start? You know, your love for dogs started at a very early age, I'm told. So when did you first get your first furry family member? Our first dog was when I was about six and uh, my family found a Vigila that had been actually been hit by a car and shot by like a pellet gun. (laughs) So and he he wound up on our doorstep and uh, was a great family dog for many years. So kind of took him in, cleaned him up and great dog. So is it a family of dog lovers? Your your wife, your kids, they're all dog lovers as well? Yeah, definitely. Now we currently have two foxhounds, a train walker coonhound, and then, which a lot of people don't know what that is, and then a lab mix. So my sister, Jackie, she, let's see, gosh, she rescued dogs and cats for 40 plus years. And she's the one that kind of got me into the industry. She relied on donations from companies and retailers to fund her rescue. And so when I was looking for a job in about the year 2000, she suggested that I look for a position with a pet food company or animal pharmaceuticals. So that's kind of where I got my start in the industry. So you went the route of the pet food company? Yes. Yeah, I answered an ad that I would have probably skimmed right over. Selling pet food was, you know, people kind of wonder, you sell door to door, do you sell it out of your van? What's the deal there? You know, they don't realize people sell pet food, I guess. And what was your role with that company? My role was to call on retailers. I called on big chain stores, box stores, independent pet specialty retailers, which was the majority of my experience. And then a lot of like hardware, farm and home, kennels, veterinarians, and groomers, et cetera. How comfortable with you with that cold calling when you first started that position? It was a learning experience. Every retailer is different. 
you know, some are just like everybody personality wise is different. So you have to kind of adjust and mold to fit, you know, different personalities, you know, when you're dealing with so many retailers, I guess. And so how did that experience transition into, okay, I'm, I'm working for the pet industry, I'm working for a larger company, and now I'm going to make the leap to be an entrepreneur. What experience do you have, you know, besides calling on your sister, what experience did you have <laughs> to be able to jump into that journey of yours? You know, I didn't really, I was kind of entrepreneurial, you know, from an early age, my dad owned his own business and my uncle was a big role model in my life and he constantly owned his own businesses. So it's kind of in my DNA. You know, at one point we were going to come up with a rescue program when I was with one of these bigger companies and I kept asking them, you know, hey, do you have any updates on this rescue program? They said, you know what, finally after a couple of years of me harassing them, they said, uh, you know, we just can't afford it. And then so then the light bulb went on and I was like, you can't afford this. You know, we can afford elaborate meetings and golf outings and meetings about meetings and post meetings about meetings. And so, so, and then, then I started thinking of ways that, uh, you know, basically my business plan was to run a lean business and not, you know, lean nimble and kind of economically and not waste a lot of money and I could give back. So people still kind of to this day ask me how I can afford to give back. And it's real simple. We don't spend, you know, marketing dollars on commercials and, newspaper ads necessarily, you know, not that that's bad, but we choose to give back and that's kind of our marketing plan. So so the light bulb went off to say, I can make this company work and I can also give back. And so what was your first step into, okay, I have this idea. I'm going to be giving back. I'm going to be leaving my company, starting my own brand. I have my, my dad and my uncle I can lean on. What did that first step look like when you were getting that up and running? Was it out of you know your basement? Was it out of your garage? How did you start that? Yeah. So literally, I, you know, I traveled probably 60% of the time for work. And so at the end of the day, you know, wherever I was out of town, I would, so to speak, clock out and clock back in on, in this project. And so I worked about a year and a half. And I would, I loved going out of town at that point, even when I had a family, because I got so much work done. And so I would, you know, knock out my business plan and loan applications and marketing plans. And I would lock myself in my hotel and I would sit there until the next seven hours and work on that when I was out of town. And then I worked on setting the business up for about a year and a half. And I got my first distributor committed in April of 16 and literally gave my two week notice and I was off for two days before I launched it. <laughs> so I didn't have much of a turnaround from employment. So wow. It was a pretty quick turnaround. Which a lot of entrepreneurs it doesn't happen that quick. I mean, you had your day job, you had your business that you're starting, you're also a family man, and then you you launch essentially. Yeah. And then you pick up that distributor and it takes off. Is that kind of how that process went? Yeah, pretty much. And I always tell people, uh, I was very active in the entrepreneurial community in Kansas City. So we have an organization, Kaufman Foundation, which is one million cups. It's kind of two businesses per week come on to pitch their new business plans. And, and so I was, and I was really active in that community. So that support and that, you know, in my life kind of gave me, you know, I, I learned something from everybody's presentation, basically, whether it be 
completely unrelated. So, And a lot of the entrepreneurs I'm talking to, and now including you, there's a whole team behind, you know, behind the scenes that are helping kind of getting up and running. So your website is is very straight and to the point. And I, I really enjoyed kind of researching and looking into your website. And I love how you say that every dog deserves to feel special. So how how do you choose which shelters are going to receive these treats? And how, how do you find, are they, are they called partners? Or are they just, how, how is that process thought about? Yeah, it's a really unique process. And we came up with a process that's economically feasible and it keeps it local and the way that is so we have this, we have about eight distributors who actually sell to retailers in 48 states we have yet to have a distributor in california nevada but we're still working on that but anyway these distributors call on thousands of independent pet specialty stores so if you go into your local store uh, to purchase a bag of our food or our treats every bag that that store purchases from our distributor is recorded in a spreadsheet. And then when it adds up to 100 bags, we give them a case of a 1,000 treats and they give it to whatever rescue they choose. And really the whole idea behind that is to, to help people like my sister who are little ancillary local people doing a great job. And as a company, I might pick somebody who's more notable publicly, you know what I mean? More known versus who really needs the funds. People have a lot of fun with it. You know, they love that we give back, but then when the retailer and the consumer knows that it's someone in their local town that they might've gotten a dog from, they really like that. And it's tangible too. Every time they pick up a bag, 10 treats goes to that rescue. So pretty unique, I guess. It's very unique. And I think there's two points there is that your bag has phenomenal marketing on it. Whoever that artist is who who did that and who, who picked those names? You have some really unique names. Yeah, they are incredible. They're the name of their uh, firm is Whiskey Design. They've actually won some very notable, high-profile awards for those bags. So it was pretty amazing. There's only 80 gold Addy Awards given out every year for advertising and marketing, and over 40,000 submissions, and they won two gold out of the 80. So for branding and packaging, which is amazing. It's usually for bigger companies. Yeah, you can tell why. It's very impressive. And I'm going to tell you, if if I go to, when I go to the pet store next, probably to drop my, my dog off to get uh, her groomed, if I saw that bag and it says, this bag gives to shelter dogs, you are very transparent about where that is going and what their money is doing to give back. So has that always been the case? Have you always been that transparent with your give back? Has this always been the way that your bag looks to have that logo on the front? Yes. Yes, definitely. And the whole idea behind that too is when you go into that retailer, you know, they might have a wall of 30 feet long, seven feet high of trees. You have just a brief second to capture someone's eye. So I always tell people when I was starting this up or when I, you know, I would go to Whole Foods and buy dark chocolate, you know, dark chocolate candy bar, trying to be a little healthy and cover my sugar fix, I guess. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I would always buy this one there'd be side by side and one would say, you know, one helped uh, like a certain cause, like, you know, in Africa, like children in Africa, I would look at myself and think, okay, they're both the same price, you know, both the same, you know, everything. Why not help somebody? So that's kind of what we are. We're, we don't price the products higher, you know, to, to fund our program. You know, they're actually as good quality or higher quality than most everything you'll see on the shelf next to them. 
but they do give back as well. So yeah, I do the same thing. I whenever I find out there's a business that's giving back, I, I'm pretty much going towards them every single time. Yeah. Now, what makes your treats, your dog treats, premium? Sure, great question. So we don't use any salt or sugar, and a lot of companies use a lot of salt and sugar. Uh, companies, treat companies, will use ingredients that they put in like potato chips and chocolate snacks to make you addicted and want more. They'll put in a lot of flowers and not very much protein. There's not very many on the market at all. I can't even name one really. They start with protein first and that's the most expensive way to make a biscuit, but it's also the way to make a most palatable too. So since we're not putting salt and sugar in there, we have to guarantee palatability. So we kind of go with the best, best way to get palatability. So yeah, they're all whole foods. There's no fractions, and we use a lot of superfoods. And the ingredients are just clean and legible, and they're all you know. There's nothing in there that you would wonder what it is or if it's healthy for your dog. So everything all natural, human grade as well. Basically, that's what makes them premium. I and I can't wait to give this to my dog. <laughs> now, I, how hard is it, or is it easy for you? I don't know how. What's your experience like understanding that you do want to make these whole foods, that you do want to keep them a premium treat? How hard or easy is it to find that partner to help you understand what that recipe looks like? Yeah, that's a good, great question. I usually kind of seek out a partner that has that same philosophy in mind first, and then we work together to kind of tweak it into the formula that I would like to present to the, the consumer. And so I will, I mean, on our newest treats or soft treats, I would say we took less margin to offer better product. And I asked a million questions on how, how to get our margins higher. And we couldn't get them any higher. I settled on, you know what, I'll take a little less margin to offer this product versus what you first came out with because it's a, a much better product. All right. So figuring out that margin could be a hurdle or a roadblock. What other hurdles or roadblocks have you run into when not so much launching, but running that day-to-day business and finding those partners, those distribution centers? What hurdles did you have to overcome to get where you are today with GivePet? Really, the hurdle, the biggest hurdle is to gain these distributors. And, you know, they a distributor, the biggest hurdle is to gain distribution. So as you can imagine how competitive the pet industry is and any given distributor that we deal do business with on average might do business with 125 to 140 companies out of you know the whole US out of you know the world really they have they import products too so i mean when you're one of those 125 companies it's a and you've partnered with the best distributor in the industry and the most highly respected in, with these stores. I mean, that, that's the biggest hurdle. So then when you get in with one, then you have to educate their salespeople. They're calling on stores every day. You have to educate their salespeople, form relationships with them, make sure you get a good launch and you maintain that business you know, that you have uh, in, the, in the stores so that you're... And kind of try to stay top of mind when they are bombarded with information from 124 other companies. So. So that's kind of the constant hurdle, you know. But yeah, the, definitely the biggest hurdle is getting that distribution in the beginning. So a pet store typically might do 
the majority they're buying from three major distributors. If we sell direct, it's just an extra thing out of their day to have to do. So you might kind of fall out of the mix because, you know, you might have a great product, but it might just be inconvenient for them to order, et cetera. And with all of that day-to-day logistics, would love to hear from you kind of more of the heartfelt side of have any stories come back to you from your community or from these shelters that you've helped? I'm sure you receive a lot of pictures of shelter dogs. So what is a story that that made you think, okay, what I'm doing with Give Pet is where I need to be in life. This is my mission. Yeah, that's a great question. I think, gosh, there's not one story that I can think of specifically, but it's that repetitive picture that you mentioned of a rescue getting treats and saying thank you and you know they they show pictures of all their dogs receiving treats and that that's kind of what's like you know this is it so that's why we do it i want to bring up some stats that i found that you had provided 3.9 million dogs and this is estimated but 3.9 million dogs enter animal shelters nationwide every year so it is give pet trying to lower that number or are they just trying to help make sure that 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 pet feels that special need while they're at that shelter. Exactly. Believe it or not, actually, treats are one of the number one requested items at any rescue or shelter. They start using them the minute the dog comes in to socialize and train the dog. And then the more trained a dog is, the more less likely it is to come back because of a you know behavioral problem. So not only do they need treats, but they need a steady stream of treats and they want, they desire healthy treats. You can imagine they get a ton of donations, but these are donations that the dogs might not like or that the staff hates feeding the dogs because they're junk, you know, basically. So yeah, when they get healthy treats, you know, it's a real benefit to them, you know, and it, and it helps them. They give, give them out constantly. So so when they see Give Pet come through the door in those boxes, everyone's excited. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. At least they're getting a nice, nutritious snack. <laughs> right. And I'm, I'm hoping that I can help, you know, get this word out for the great things you're doing. Now, what's next for Give Pet? I see, you, you know, you have the treats, you have your premium treats, you have the training treats as well, which I know worked wonders when my dog was young. Didn't get them through Give Pet because I didn't know about you till just now, obviously, but... What's next for you guys? Sure. I think right now, just expanding our line, currently when you walk into you know typical pet specialty store, um, and these are independent retailers, they have several types of treats, of biscuits, training treats, freeze-dried treats. There's, oh my gosh, there's a dozen different types. And I think really right now is just to expand into some other types of treats. The whole goal in the beginning was of food. So that would probably be the ultimate goal would be some kind of daily diet. So it is a lot easier to get into a retailer with treats though, because they're kind of a transient product versus something that takes up a lot of real estate. We've done a good job making a good footprint out there. So now I think if we did launch, when you launch something and there are other products or other products sell well, they're more likely to kind of, you know, support new items. So what advice would you give entrepreneurs who are starting their journeys and they want to get back. And they want to get back, sure. I would, well, the kind of the basics, you know, follow, you know, do something you're passionate about and find a way to make a living at it. You know, of course, that's kind of the cliche advice. One piece of advice that I like to give people is to set a weekly goal 
And no matter how small or big that goal is, accomplish something every week. You know, it's, if you're climbing a mountain and, you know, you want to start your own business and it takes, you know, you a year and a half like it took us to get to that point to start. It's so much easier when you're accomplishing one something every week. And then, you know, that mountain becomes more or less just part of the, the journey versus a big obstacle. So, and another piece of advice I tell people is, and I heard this from someone else, you know, there's no perfect time to start a business. Uh, this might be probably the worst time in the history of the world to start a business, you know, outwardly thinking, but you're always going to have obstacles and there's never a perfect time. I just tell people just if you're passionate about it, it'll work, you know, and love it. So passion, set a weekly goal, chip away at it slowly. And there's never going to be that perfect time to start. No, never. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Chris, I wanted to thank you so much for sharing all of that insight. I think what you do with GivePet is incredible. I learned a lot. I I didn't know before talking with you that the number one requested item at shelters are dog treats. So now I know, and I can't wait to start shopping with GivePet so that my dog can have some premium treats, but then also I know I can help a shelter for dogs in need. Well, thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much, Chris. Um, Anything else you'd like to share? No, it's been a pleasure being part of this. I can't wait to uh, hear this one, of course, and then all your other companies so I can start uh, helping in other ways. There are some good ones for you. I promise you. Well, I, I appreciate your support. I will support in return. Of course, you're doing amazing things. Chris Dennis, thank you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. You too. Thank you, Christine. Chris is a family man who is taking on a day job and a passion project at the same time working light nights and taking full advantage of downtime during his travels. Chris navigated the sea of distributors and business models and landed on a solid game plan to give treats to dog shelters with each bag purchased. By working with a highly regarded marketing team and having a support of his family, Chris is leading the mission to help every dog feel special while in a shelter. His advice to entrepreneurs, you have to have passion. And this is not the first time we've heard this, and I love that every entrepreneur I've spoken with so far has mentioned passion. His other advice is set a weekly goal and chip away towards your main mission. You can support GivePet by going to givepet.com and purchasing premium bait treats and soft trainers. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more entrepreneurs and business owners talk about how they give back, tune in to the Give Back Model. I'm Christine Petrella. Have a wonderful day.